Dear congregation, for our text, we will look at Isaiah 40 in the verses 1 and 2, where we read again, Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. What is your comfort? What is your only comfort when everything that you own in this world it can be washed away as in those storms we heard of this morning on the East Coast? What is your only comfort if you are to be taken away from your family, from your home, from your work, and put in prison for 14 years like John Bunyan? What is your only comfort even if you own half this world and yet you know your life is about to end? What is our comfort? in life and death? That's the question that this catechism asks as we start looking at the catechism again. And that this, this first question asks this is important question, what is your only comfort in life and death? Now, this question is an introduction to the Heidelberg Catechism, and it summarizes what the rest of the catechism will speak of, that comfort that God gives to His people through Jesus Christ. We know that almost everything in this world will end. Our lives will end, everything that we have, but we know that God's Word, God's Word endures forever. And it is through that that we can look beyond this life into the next. And so our theme for this afternoon is our only comfort in life and death. And then we see, firstly, that this is a comfort that God speaks to us, that God speaks to His people in their need. Isaiah 40, verse 1 says, Comfort, yes, comfort my people. Now, if we think of what comfort is, you, some people might, you might think that, it is, that comfort might be to be comfortable, to be sitting in a comfortable chair, to be sitting in comfort at home with everything that you need. But that's not comfort. That's being comfortable in a state of comfort. But a second way to look at it is contentment. Contentment in a situation. Comfort is bringing contentment into a situation where you might not be comfortable at all. And we know that when someone's grieving, we, we come to them and we speak to them. We try to speak comfort into their life. Even though we can't take away that pain, we can't change what has happened, but we can bring comfort to them in the circumstances. And here God is speaking to Isaiah to go tell His people, Israel, comfort my, my people. Speak comfort to Jerusalem. And you say, why was this necessary? Well, God sends His message to Israel when they are in captivity in Babylon, when they're sitting in captivity. If ever they needed comfort, it is here. This is where God comes to them. And that's what Isaiah here is, is picturing. 
God had punished Israel for their sins. We know how first Assyria came and took some of them captive, and later Babylon took the rest of them and Judah captive and, and, and took them to the land of Babylon in, in exile. Their cities had been destroyed, their land, their armies had been decimated, and now they're sitting there, hopeless, helpless in the enemy's land. And yet, God did not forget them, and He sends His prophet to comfort them. And so it is for you that God sends His Word to comfort you in the midst of your afflictions. And He says, speak comfort. Speak to their heart to encourage them, to give a measure of contentment there in that situation. Remember what Paul said in Philippians 2, if there be any consolation, any encouragement in Christ, if there is any comfort of love. And that comfort and that encouragement is needed most by us when these circumstances are real, when we are in trials. And the catechism here refers to that comfort regarding our salvation, our comfort in life and death a comfort that extends just beyond what this world can offer for both body and soul, because we struggle in body and soul. And Isaiah 49 verse 13 says, He will comfort, He will have mercy on His afflicted people. But many people don't want this comfort. Not everybody is looking for this kind of comfort. Even Judah, when they were still in the land of Canaan, they didn't want God's comfort because they were content to live their own life and to go their own way. And even when the Syrians attacked them, they didn't seek God for help, but they went to another army, to the Assyrian army, to try to get help. And they didn't worship God as they were supposed to. They had many idols. But even after God punished them here, even after God took them exile, in, to, to exile in Babylon, many of them did not seek God. Many made themselves comfortable in Babylon. Many merged into that culture and tried to enjoy that life as best they could, and they lost their identity as the people of God. And we can understand if we try to evangelize unbelievers that, that if we say, well, we want to speak to you about the Lord Jesus, about the forgiveness of sins and of the comfort that He gives, that very commonly the answer is, no thanks, I don't need that, I don't want to hear about it. There is no conviction, there is no need for that comfort. And if we don't see our misery, then we don't need God's comfort, spiritual comfort. But among those Israelites living in Babylon, there were those who were not happy. In Isaiah 40 verse 27, as we read, they said, my way is hidden from the Lord. And my just claim is passed over by my God. They sit there feeling forgotten by God. And it's understandable. It says they cannot even sing the praises of God anymore. They were so discouraged, so distraught. They've been separated from the promised land, from the temple, from the presence of God. They can't worship Him the way they're supposed to anymore. And they have no hope left in themselves. And they have no army left to deliver themselves. And so they need help from somewhere else. 
And so you could say they're in that state of misery because of their circumstances. They need this comfort. And so often when we're comfortable in this world, we, we don't look for God's comfort. We are so content with what we have. But when our lives get filled with trials and with afflictions, when, we, when the consequences of our sin hit home, when the corruption of the world seems to roll over us, and these all begin to take effects on our lives, but, but especially sin itself results in the loss of communion with God. Since Adam sinned in paradise, we've been cut off from that communion. And here the Israelites saw no way back. And so often we can find ourselves in this position, feeling alone, exiled, almost forgotten of God, looking for comfort, comfort that a world cannot afford. But God is faithful, and He reaches down here to the Israelites as He does to you, and He says, comfort, yes, comfort my people. Speak comfortably to Jerusalem. And he said this to them while they're still sitting in captivity, while many of them had no desire to return, and others mourned without hope. And even those who longed for God in Isaiah 49, 14 says, God has forgotten me. And in this chapter they say, God, my way is hidden from the Lord. It seemed impossible that God would give them comfort. But in the second place, we see the, com the comfort that God supplies. Not only that God speaks, but He supplies. Uh, he told Isaiah, and that for, for God's people to come through the union with Christ. God told Isaiah in verse 2, Speak comfortably to Jerusalem, cry out to her that her warfare is ended and her iniquity is pardoned. God comforted them, how? By showing that He was still their God, and they were still His people. And because of that, there's an end in sight, an end to their trials. The comfort you receive comes by knowing that you belong to the faithful God and that you're united to Him in Christ. And that's why the catechism here explains so beautifully in Lord's Day 1, what is your only comfort? That I am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Israel here thought God had forsaken them, but God comforts them by showing that He is still their God. They belong to Him. And when they sat there and looked at the armies of the Babylonians around them, they could say, I do not belong to them. They might hold me for a while here, but I belong to God. I'm not their property. And when Israel looked at the idols that they used to serve, or the idols of Babylon, they could say, we do not belong to them. They cannot help us. And so God comforts us when He shows us that we are not our own, that we no longer belong to ourselves, no longer ruled by our own sin and the power of darkness, that our own eternal destiny is not in our own hands. 
And the basis for this comfort lies in the reality that I, with body and soul, in life and death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. I belong. I've become the property of Jesus Christ by faith, united to Christ by His Holy Spirit. That is the only place where this comfort is found. And if we are not united to Christ by faith, then this comfort is not ours. But it provides a comfort and an encouragement because then there's an end in sight. And then we see that the, the reality of our life, the circumstances in which we live, uh, it, it doesn't determine who we are. The comfort provides a contentment even though the circumstances that we are in are not pleasant, but that God has a promise and an end for His people. And God supplies that comfort that we belong to Him now, even this very moment, those who believe in Jesus Christ. And that gives comfort, because then we can say to all the sins that remain in our hearts, I do not belong to them. They might hold me captive like the Babylonians for a little while. They might torment me, but I'm not their property. When I look at all the treasures and the pleasures of this world, I say I do not belong to them because they cannot help me. They cannot give me this comfort for life and death. When I'm overwhelmed with my grief, I can say it is no longer mine, but Christ because He bears it with me and for me. Then my joy, even, is no longer my own, but Christ gives me His joy. And the guilt of my sins are no longer mine, but Christ has carried them away on the cross. That my life is no longer my own, but it belongs to Jesus Christ who leads me day by day. And then even if we must face that last enemy of death, when we cannot see our way through that hour of darkness, we can say, I belong to Jesus Christ, and He will carry me through. God supplies His comfort through that union with Jesus Christ. You are His in Christ. But then He also supplies that comfort in the pardon of sin. God says in Isaiah 40, verse 2, Speak comfortably to Jerusalem that her iniquity is pardoned. And the Catechism also explains this, where it says, Christ has with His precious blood fully satisfied for all my sins. When Israel looked at their situation in exile, they, they thought God had forsaken them and cast them off forever. They had sinned against God, and there's no way of undoing that. And verse 16 says that all the trees on the mountains of Lebanon were not enough. They could not make a big enough sacrifice to God to pay for that sin. Nothing on this earth can satisfy the justice of God. But God Himself speaks comfort when He says 
that their iniquity has been pardoned, that Christ Jesus has been sent into the world as that perfect offering and sacrifice for sin, that with His own precious blood He has fully satisfied for all the sins of His people, that He purchased them with His own precious blood. But as Paul says, even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There, your iniquity has been pardoned. There, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. There, it says, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And there, we become reconciled to God ourselves and made partakers of that, that pardon by faith and repentance. And there God supplies comfort, showing that all my sins have been forgiven me, past, present, future, and that there is peace with God. But then God also supplies that comfort with His deliverance. Not only is there peace through the Lord Jesus Christ, but God also supplies comfort knowing that sin has no more dominion over you. He says in verse 2, her warfare is ended. You're comforted knowing that you're delivered from the power of sin in your life. That through the Holy Spirit, that remaining sin is being purged out. That you will not serve sin or your enemies anymore. Christ has come as that great deliverer with that strong arm to save, as verse 10 says. Christ who has destroyed the power of the devil and all the power that he had, that if you belong to Christ, you're delivered from that dominion. And by his Holy Spirit, he renews our minds and our will to be able to be willing to do his will. We become the property of God, delivered from slavery like Israel was initially. And here also, they would eventually be delivered from Babylon again to return to their homeland. And Romans 6, verse 22 says, Now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Comfort through deliverance. Even though not all the Israelites would return from Babylon, some would die there, some chose to stay there and merge in with their culture. But this message of deliverance told them that they were free to leave. And the message of deliverance through Jesus Christ comes to us even today. And that if you are in Him, then you have this comfort. And if you are not yet in Christ, He still says that pardon and that deliverance is there for all who call upon the name of the Lord. And last... last Comfort supplied is to preservation. God supplies a further comfort by preserving His people. 1 Peter 1 verse 5 says, You are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. God calls them His people. Even though they still sat in exile in Babylon, they did not know when or how they would leave, but eventually that time would come when Cyrus, Cyrus would make that decree and they would be able to go home. God gives him this promise that they will be delivered. 
And so often God's people can be filled with doubts and with fears. We can feel so defenseless in this world. Our sins attack us. The world assaults us. Our own weakness and doubts can overwhelm us. But God preserved Israel, even in captivity. And now Christ, and the Catechism also explains this, so preserves me that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head, yea, that all things must be subservient to my salvation. Christ preserves the people for whom he has died. He purchased them with his own blood. And he says in John 10, verse 28, they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Christ will not lose a single one of his people. That is why you can put your trust in him today. He will bring you safely home, safely through the valley of the shadow of death, safely through this life, safely into his eternal home in heaven. So in this life, no affliction, no trial, no joy, no sorrow is outside of God's control. That even the most difficult circumstances are so directed by his sovereign hand that not a single hair can fall off your head without his will. Do we believe that? To comfort knowing not only that God will deliver you, but even more that God is with you now, with you in this current situation. Isaiah 43 verse 1 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And though the, through the rivers... The, Though the rivers, they shall not overflow you. All things subservient to your salvation in Christ. See, even this exile for the Israelites was used to cure them from their idolatry, not to destroy them forever. The exile was subservient to their salvation. That means every trial, every affliction, every joy and blessing all serve toward one goal for God's people. That is your salvation and the eternal rest and comfort that awaits. And that leads us to our last thought, the comfort that God applies. An important part of this comfort, and here again the Catechism so beautifully writes it, that by His Holy Spirit He assures me of eternal life. Just like God sent this message to Israel in captivity, God sends His Word in His Holy Spirit. He sends it to convict us of sin, of righteousness and judgment. Judah in exile, Ezekiel 33 verse 10 says, If our transgression and our sins be upon us, and we waste away, and then how then shall we live? How can we survive? How can we continue like this? But when God holds out this comfort to you, and you hear of that deliverance, of that forgiveness of sin, of that constant faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ for sinners like you and me, then we are drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can look up to Him who was hung on the cross for the sins of His people. Now, just like Moses was told to put that serpent on the pole in the wilderness so that everyone who was bit by the snakes could look at that serpent, and if they were sick, they would look, they would be healed. And so when you look to the Lord Jesus Christ again and again, He is there. You can imagine the Israelites in, in Babylon when they first heard the news that they would eventually be going home. But they also realized then, 
It had nothing to do, nothing because of anything they did. They deserve to be in Babylon, but it is God who is faithful. And you see in the Lord Jesus Christ your access to God. And you belong to God only because of that perfect sacrifice and the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, you find peace with God, nothing in ourselves. There you see in Jesus Christ the only way to a new and holy life, the only way back to the Father, the only way to be delivered, nothing in ourselves. The Holy Spirit makes us despair of ourself, just like Judah despaired in captivity of ever being delivered. And yet the Holy Spirit directs us to find their only and our complete expectation in Christ, the Redeemer, the one who comes with his mighty arm to defeat the enemy and to deliver his people. And one more thing. The Heidelberg Catechism outlines for us here, it says, The Holy Spirit makes me sincerely willing and ready henceforth to live unto Him. From now on, my desire is to live as one who belongs to Christ. When Israel was released from captivity, we learned there was rejoicing. They returned, they began to rebuild the temple, even though there were a lot of holdups, but they did not go to rebuild their idols. The desire in the heart is born to live as children of God, to make our calling and election sure, because it is God who makes us willing and able to do His good pleasure. And it is also that life that is transformed, that life of holiness that, by which you become increasingly assured of your life in Christ, that you're united to Christ divine that we become fruitful branches to His glory. Here is that life of gratitude that flows out of it. Gratitude for God for His unspeakable gift of salvation. Gratitude for delivering us from bondage, the bondage of sin, the bondage of slavery and darkness. And then even in the midst of our afflictions, there is comfort. In the midst of a life that can be filled with sorrows, with trials, with difficulties, with lifelong battles with the indwelling sin. There's a comfort knowing that we are not our own, but that with body and soul in life and death I belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. That the pain and the grief and the suffering, I do not bear it alone because I I belong to Jesus Christ who bears it with me and that everything is designed to work towards my salvation. That this remaining sin that we find in us, this weakness or this shame and this guilt is not mine alone because Christ has carried it away on the cross and I am His. And this life, whether in health or sickness, in riches or poverty, is not mine, but I belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, whom I live to serve. Can you say that today? Is that where you find your hope and comfort? The Lord came to his people in exile, and he said, Speak comfortably to Jerusalem. 
cry out to her that her warfare is accomplished and that her iniquity is pardoned. 